10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Live from Qatar, this is The Morning Break with Dorian Brown. Good morning and welcome to the Friday morning break, the start to the end of your week. As we wait for the final tintinabulation of the school bell, I hope that you're all well and ready for the weekend ahead. I am Dorian Brown, it's Friday the 18th of March and we are broadcasting live from the Teachers Talk Radio TP. Today we're talking again about sustainability in schools and how as teachers, leaders and humans, we can weave these ideals into our practice. Let's talk this out. Live from Qatar, this is The Morning Break with Dorian Brown on Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live at ttradio.org or to join in the conversation, download the Podbean app and search Teachers Talk Radio. Follow the hashtag TT Radio. Tune in, talk it out with Teachers Talk Radio. Well, good morning, good morning, everybody. I do hope that you are well and good, uh, whatever you are doing now and wherever you are doing it. Um, after a run of uh, nearly uh, 30 shows, uh, I have taken a brief hiatus uh, to, to do a few things, really, and that uh, first one was to compete in my first ever Ironman race, which I just about survived. Um, and, and the other thing was just to spend a bit more time working or sort of catching up, if you like, on my MA. So uh, I, I am back, and, I, and, I, and uh, Tom says, welcome back. Thank you very much, Tom. Um, I, I think as teachers and leaders, really, we are, we're never not busy, um, but there are certainly pressure points over the course uh, of, of a year. And, you know, so long as we can prioritize and focus on what is, you know, I think it's the Eisenhower matrix, isn't it? That, that, that box in the top right, you know, what's the most urgent and the most important. Then I really do feel that there is um, uh, no reason why we can't uh, sort of manage, uh, manage our time and kind of get through these hotspots, but also be aware of, of other people as well um, in, in going through very sort of similar things as well. Um, now, my imaginary co-host, uh, Susie Dent, uh, compliments this sentiment quite nicely today with our word of the week, which is philuckily. Uh, it's from the 19th century and it means it, it's essentially the love of beauty uh, and the ability to cherish the small things in life. So I thought that was very nice uh, one uh, for Susie to suggest for us today. Um, now, an awful lot has happened in the world since uh, since my last show. It feels like it was a long time ago. Um, but one thing that hasn't happened uh, is the solving of the climate crisis. So I'm happy once more to be back uh, on the airwaves and kind of offering some form of platform, if you like, for, for ideas and strategies uh, for us all, uh, teachers, leaders, and as I said, humans, um, to implement change um, and kind of turn the screw uh, on, on, on tangible change. Um, so helping me today uh, get some key messages across are two wonderful humans whose jobs are actually to do exactly that. Um, and I hope to pick their brains today uh, as as to some of the things that they have done that have been impactful and that will hopefully subsequently give us an, an idea of um, some ideas that we can use and we can implement at whatever stage we are in our sustainability journeys uh, in our schools. So uh, in the studio now, a warm Teachers Talk radio welcome to Mr. Lee Jowett, who is the Sustainable Schools Manager at Leicester City Council uh, and the Chair of the Attenborough Learning Trust Leicester. Welcome, Lee. Good morning. How are you doing? 
Absolutely fantastic. Thank you. Thank you very much for spending time with us this morning. Uh, joining Lee as well, a warm welcome to, uh, to you as well. It's uh, Laura Burke, who's the Project Officer in Environmental Education, also at Leicester City Council. So welcome, Laura. Morning. You all right? Very well, thank you. Yes, excellent. Um, well, I've given you both a kind of a, the briefest of introductions there. Um, but what we like to, to start off with, if you wouldn't mind, is just to give give the listeners a little bit more of a uh, little bit more of a granular um, uh, description, I guess, of, of of your journeys, I guess, in education um, and how you got to where you are right now. So, um, ladies first, Laura. <laughs> okay, yeah, it's probably easier. I'm a bit quicker than me, um, <laughs> but yeah, so. I only joined the sustainable schools team at Christmas, so I'm still very new to that side of things. Before then, I was a primary school teacher and have been for four years. So I worked in year five and year six predominantly, um, and I absolutely loved it. Uh, I was really, really sad to sort of move away from that, but when I saw this opportunity of being able to promote the sustainable schools message across the city, I thought I had to go for it. Um, and so since then, I've been absolutely loving it been able to go into different schools and as I say sort of promoting that sustainable schools message um, to a wide range of children and working with different adults alongside it um, has been fantastic so yeah yeah wonderful I get that but I suppose you get the best of both worlds in some way in that you're still in you know you love the teaching you're still sort of in and around the classroom as it were um, but you also get to kind of see I suppose a a plethora of different uh, teaching environments as well so it gives you a bit more of a kind of a, a a broader understanding of how sustainability can be implemented and how it isn't just a kind of a, a silver bullet one size fits all there's multiple things that you have to consider before you actually uh, can actually make change right yeah absolutely and as you say sort of being able to still go into the schools um but working with them on, a, on an individual basis so I said sort of my background was in primary school teaching but we also get to work with the secondary schools or with special schools as well so that's been an interesting sort of transition for me um but it's being able to promote the message that I'm really passionate about so I do still get um I just say sort of the best of both worlds being able to work with the children inspire them uh, help them to do all of these wonderful things um but in a much broader sense I suppose Sounds absolutely fabulous, actually. Uh, let me know if you're recruiting. Um, <laughs> um, so, Lee, could I same question to contestant number number two, please? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm sort of chuckling because Laura and I yesterday spent the day with University of Leicester students um, talking about sustainability. Um, and I sort of did the intros yesterday and it was almost like the biography of Lee. Um, so, yeah, so I, uh, I again, slightly well different direction. Yes, absolutely. Um, so I trained as a secondary school teacher. Um, so I taught secondary science for 10 years. Um, and a bit like Laura thought, I, I just need a different challenge, something a bit different. So, um, yeah, about 10, 11 years ago, sort of I made the decision to come out of teaching um, and a job at Leicester City Council came up and it was for an environmental education coordinator. And I just thought, that's everything that I've been doing in school, but has ended up being that nine o'clock job like a lot of us are doing after work because you, you're obviously teaching during the day. Yes. Um, and I sort of went for this job and it was around kind of working with about 120 schools in Leicester City. And what was fantastic was there was a job description clearly, but actually it said, we want you to make this role as interesting and as exciting as possible. And wow. that's pretty much what we've done. So we, we work with schools on anything around sustainability, whether that's kind of workshops, assemblies, right through to kind of at the moment, we've got a big program, which I'm sure we'll talk about in a little bit around solar panels and LEDs and things. Um, 
so yeah, so the day job is very much working hands-on with schools and making them more sustainable. Um, but kind of in parallel to that, uh, about a year into my job in Leicester, um, one of my colleagues said, uh, would, would you be interested in being a governor? And I sort of said, well, what would that involve? She said, well, it's very close to the train station. It'll be easy to get home afterwards. And that was the selling point, if I'm honest. Um, so I became a governor of one of our schools in Leicester uh, about seven years ago. And then just over three years ago, we formed a multi-academy trust in the city. And I, again, was not quick enough to say no. So went from being a, a governor to a, a trustee. So I, I'm now the chair of Attenborough Learning Trust, which is four primaries in the city. So really interested in terms of kind of the day job working with schools, but also the sort of the strategic and kind of that governance aim as well. And then kind of on top of that, also being a fellow of the NAEE, which is the National Association of Environment Education. So um, I sort of joked yesterday, I do have a social life. It just it gets squeezed <laughs> around everything else at the moment. Yeah, fantastic. Well, that's, uh, yeah, it's sort of many and varied. I, I suppose it kind of keeps you keep, keeps you busy, keeps you out of trouble, but also to, to be able to be doing things that you both actually are, are sound already um, really passionate and really um, uh, motivated. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it must be it must be a fantastic thing. And to have that, I think, flexibility. I, I wonder when when you first went for that for that position, was was that sort of 10 years ago? Was, was that mm-hmm. kind of fairly ubiquitous in terms of local councils or was that something that Leicester City had kind of... Um, pioneered almost in having that kind of sustainability role within schools yeah an interesting point so I would say when I started teaching which is gosh nearly 20 years ago um I there were local authority officers that supported schools on environment education eco schools and probably just around about that time suddenly lots of changes in government lots of changes in funding and things a lot of those officers Mm. suddenly disappeared very quickly um, so schools were almost a little bit left to sort of developing their own sort of plans, whereas Leicester had always supported um, a local charity to deliver that work. And that charity sort of folded at the time. And they, obviously very good for me, sort of said, we want to continue this funding in a maybe a different guise and we'll bring it in-house. Um, so, yeah, certainly at the time, Leicester was very unique in terms of maintaining this area. Um, and that's kind of developed over time. And I guess we're now looking at, um, I would say probably on a weekly basis, we get contacted by other authorities saying we're thinking of developing this or we've got an officer who's going to start on this. Where do we go? Um, so, yeah, certainly 10 Wonderful. years ago, I think we were unique. And now it's 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 starting to feel slightly more mainstream. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. The trailblazers, if you will. Um, <laughs> and you mentioned your, your, your other role in, in governance as well. In fact, that's where we where we sort of linked up uh, initially as well, wasn't it? We were um, in a, it was an NGA webinar, I think. We were, we were it watching. was, yes. I believe yes. it was kind of looking at sort of the greener governance and kind of how governors should be leading on this. So, yes, yeah. Absolutely yes, and I so I am also uh, on the on the on the board at my school then uh, in an international school, um, and yes, um, I they did tell me there was a, a big time commitment, but I wasn't actually cognizant of that until yeah <laughs> until getting well into it. So it is a big a big time commitment, but there is a real sense of of like you said that kind of contribution towards strategy uh, and being able to make changes from if you like from the top down as well as being a teacher at the same time from the bottom up as well so it really does feel that you've got that kind of that that, that pincer movement almost uh, on schools mm, absolutely brilliant right okay so let's get into uh, some of the sort of finer details um, about uh, what your sort of typical days today uh, day-to-day involves shall we so um, just to kind of sort of close that off um, 
Laura, what what um, what is your tip- what is a typical day uh, for Laura as a project officer? I mean, honestly, there's no sort of typical day. They are very very varied. Um, as Lee said, yesterday we were sort of guest speaking at one of the local universities for their primary PGC students. Uh, the day before that, I was in a school doing a workshop um, and doing some food tasting with children. The day before that, I was working from home, having lots of different meetings. So it does massively vary day to day which is fab mm. because you as you say sort of you get to do lots of different things within it um as we've already said sort of i'm project officer um in environmental education so i run various different projects with schools um some of which i'm practically involved in so one thing that i'm doing at the moment is called low carbon lunches uh, where oh, i sort nice. of go in and talk to the children about the carbon emissions of their foods and food choices. Um, And we look at sort of packaging, plant-based meals, uh, food waste and energy use there. And then I help the group of children to make an action plan of how they can improve their school meals, um, which is really exciting. It's just a way to sort of expand their knowledge. Um, Mm. And we do that with different year groups. So I've worked with year one children right up to year nines uh, with that at the moment so we sort of adapt it to the schools yeah. um another thing that we're doing at the moment that's really exciting is our meal barrow competition uh which okay. at the moment we've got about 40 schools signed up for um and it's a city-wide competition where we challenge schools to uh, create what we're calling a meal barrow where they plant different foods inside a wheelbarrow uh, they then design a menu around those foods uh, which is sort of judged against the healthy healthy eating criteria. Um, mm. And then we have a big celebration event where we get all of those meal barrows together in one of the local parks and parents and members of the community can come along. They can then see these different wheelbarrows and see what the children have been doing and vote on their favourites. So it's a really exciting mm. way where children, obviously, they love getting outside and they love being able to do the different plantings. Um, but it's also a way of engaging the community um, in those sort of sustainable practices. Um, yeah, so that's absolutely that's yeah. and, 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 a summary. But as I say, yeah. there's, there's no two so days are the same. No. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I love that, and I think that the 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 visibility, like you said, in terms of community, make is a big thing, isn't it? You know, not 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 just to be doing it, but actually making it visible to everybody else, so that it kind of you know. Uh, it encourages other people to, to 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 adopt similar sort of things or try certain things. I just pick up as well on the um, on, on on the sort of the, the, the snappy puns in both of those <laughs> both of those low carbon lunches and mill barrows. So uh, yes, obviously uh, something you've got to have in your job as well is have these kind of snappy titles as well to kind of uh, uh, <laughs> advertise them. <laughs> yes, um, absolutely. As a, as a geographer myself, obviously a lot of what you're talking about is something that we've either know know a lot about already or have been teaching a lot already so it's it's wonderful to kind of see that you know the the um i guess the the place where these things are happening are beyond the classroom um uh, and it's not just the responsibility of geographers to to solve the uh, sustainability crisis or or the climate crisis so it's good to see uh, um good to see that um Outside of the classroom. Um, how about yourself, Lee? T- t- typical day, again, it sounds like uh, it's probably going to be a relatively similar response in the way that no two are, two are the same. But um, Yeah, absolutely. 
Um, yeah, so I, I'm very jealous of, of kind of the other members of my team. So when I worked on my own, there was just me and it was very sort of right on the ground delivery and um, yeah, very exciting sort of stuff. And I've sort of taken a slight step back now as being a manager. So we manage, I manage a team of five people. So I, I get to do a lot of the facilitating and getting the projects off the ground, a lot of the partnership working with, with colleagues of so people like Earthwatch, Seven Trends, some of the sort of big funders. And I, I get to see the beginning exciting bit and I get to see the end bit of the impact of kind of going to do sort of celebration events and seeing what students are doing. And I miss a little bit of that middle bit that Laura gets to do, which is actually sitting with the children and actually having the engagement. Um, but yeah, very much two days, never the same. So like we say, yesterday we were delivering sort of training with PGC students. Um, earlier this week, I was kind of looking um, at how we sort of train some uni students on the carbon literacy. Um, so yeah, very much. And then very exciting things like looking at some of these practical projects. So we've the last sort of 18 months, we've been working with Learning Through Landscapes on a pollinator project with 24 schools. So um, lots of sort of funding to deliver children understanding about nature and why it's important to be outdoors. Um, so I've sort of had a chance to read through some of the reports and see some of the celebration events. Um, but also kind of some of the big stuff like this morning, I was uh, briefing our um, Deputy City Mayor on kind of the sustainability work we're doing in the council and, and quite rightly getting challenged to say, well, are we doing enough? Can we be doing more? Um, how do we have the most positive impact on the young people in our city? So, yeah, again, no two days are the same and who knows where I'm going to be on Monday. <laughs> yeah, right. It, it sounds that sort of the, the, the council seem to be uh, have have this uh, sustainability idea kind of front and centre um, in Leicester. It seems that they're kind of putting a lot of emphasis and, and rightly so importance in it. And I think no better um, job really to, to, to deliver, to be conduits of this information than, than former teachers really, because uh, it's the same, you know, you're having to almost deliver the same message, but you're having to kind of pitch it to different ages different uh, groups etc and you know as teachers that's kind of a, one of our big challenges isn't it really trying to get the same information across but in a in a, in a multitude of different ways um, yeah yeah absolutely yeah. Yeah, great. So, oh, fantastic. Okay, so it sounds it sounds like uh, um, you're sort of both very very busy, um, but also the work that you are doing is sounds uh, remarkable. Um, and we're going to sort of dig into a little bit more of the the, the projects etc. that you've that you've talked about. Uh, I am just we're just going to break firstly though. Um, at, uh, and go to the news uh, and then we, when we return we'll have a little dip into the greener gover gover governance and then we'll go through a couple more of the projects so we'll be back in a couple of minutes this is teachers talk radio and this is teachers talk radio news with gail glenn pupils at belmont grosvenor prep school in harrogate took part in a sound bath experience as part of the school's wellbeing programme. The school was visited by Sudeshna Sarkar, a sound mediation practitioner, who ran a series of sound workshops during Children's Mental Health Week. A sound bath is a meditative experience where you lie down and are bathed in different sounds. All pupils had a chance to play the gongs, Himalayan bowls, chimes, crystal bowls, and other instruments before experiencing a brief sound bath. Ms Sarkar said she was overwhelmed by the positive responses to the workshop from the pupils. She said, participation in a sound bath requires no prior experience 
and is an excellent tool for children and adults alike to alleviate the symptoms of anxiety, stress, depression, poor sleep and a range of conditions affecting the nervous system. In Northern Ireland, Schools Minister Robin Walker has said schools must teach LGBT content and that there are no plans to rule out teaching about trans issues. He told the Commons Education Committee, we do need to talk about the world as it is, adding that trans people were a protected group under the Equality Act who needed support. He said, we want schools to be able to support pupils including the small number of pupils who may have gender identity issues and may need support in that respect. And it's important that if they approach members of staff, they can be signposted to the right advice and support. He said that issues around sex and gender had to be taught in an age-appropriate way and there were some really complex legal issues to do with the Equality Act. The government is working with the Equality and Human Rights Commission to explore this. This has been your latest Teachers Talk Radio News with Gail Glenn. Live from Qatar, this is The Morning Break with Dorian Brown. Thank you very much for that, Gail. Uh, welcome back to Teachers Talk Radio. You are um, joining us on Friday, the 18th of March, uh, and I'm joined by Laura Buck and Lee Jowett, who are talking uh, to us about uh, sustainability um, and things that we can do in schools, um, projects and things that we can um, to, to, to start be becoming more green and getting that message across of, uh, of, of sustainability. Um, so, just briefly, um, Lee, if I may, sort of tapping to your um, your knowledge and experience as a governor, there, um, mm. the, the question really is: is what 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 do you see the role of the of a governing board of governing boards of schools and trusts around around the country, around the world, if you like, um, in environmental sustainability? Yeah, really good question. So I suppose reflecting back on what is our role as a governor or a trustee within a governing board, it's, it's those three things of a strategic direction, finance and holding the senior leadership to account. Mm -hmm. And I think we so we do some governor training um, in Leicester with with governors and trustees. And then we try and focus in on those three areas because that ultimately is what we should be doing as, as governors. Um, so certainly that strategic direction. So what are we doing as a school or as a trust to make sure that we've got the most positive impact on the environment um, that we work on, whether that's with the pupils or with the staff or even with the wider community. Let's be honest, schools are community hubs quite often. Mm -hmm. um, so actually setting up a, a target, whether it's around reducing energy or it's developing more environmental work. I think for me, that's one of the sort of big things is making sure that is strategic because we often see it's this a member of staffing school who's really keen to do environmental work. Um, but he or she leaves and then suddenly everything stops. So that strategic making sure that that is kind of in every plan that we're doing in school, I think is really important. And governors can hold, quite rightly, hold the head teacher or the sort of the CEO to account at that point. Um, mm -hmm. The other one that we're particularly focusing on is, I suppose, around that financial performance. So yes. is the school doing everything it can to reduce its environmental footprint? And one of those ways is, well, 
are they reducing the amount of energy they use? Because ultimately, we know this huge energy cost at the moment in schools. Um, if they've got a good behaviour change programme happening, they, they will see energy reduction. Um, and I think that's a really good way of sort of measuring that. I think the other one, I guess, is supporting the school to make sure that we make those really good financial decisions. Um, so I was at a governor meeting, I think last week or the week before, where um, the business manager had brought um, a sort of a, a budget spreadsheet on installing LEDs at the school. Um, and obviously that was a discussion for governors of, well, do, should, should we be spending this money? This is money that we should be spending on the pupils. And I said, well, yes, because you are improving the environment in the building. And actually we are future-proofing um, our school against energy prices. So there is, yes. there is certainly that financial element and governors helping um, senior leadership to sort of make some of those decisions because um, obviously our team, we very much focus in on the environment, but actually lots of people in their day jobs now are looking at sustainability and bringing those skills and knowledge in certainly help schools that maybe haven't had the experience before or uh, maybe not aware of some of the things. So I think as a role for the governing board, it's, it's very much around strategic direction and supporting to make sure we get the very most out of what we're doing in the environment, I think. Yes, nice. I, I agree. And I think it's, uh, it, it, and also the extent of that, I think, varies from school to school, from board to board, doesn't it, in terms of mm. how far schools are along in their journeys. But I guess it's that, again, it's that um, that uh, uh, influence, perhaps, maybe, that gov govern governors have uh, on, on strategy and direction. Um, and I think the more and more schools that do do it, uh, and it becomes more common and more embedded into into policies, etc. Um, the the I want to say the sort of the cheaper these these changes are because actually I think one thing that is I think a lot of people feel is a bit of a stumbling block in terms of becoming more sustainable is that it actually costs money yeah. <laughs> uh, in, in initial outlay. Um, you know, obviously, install, installing of the LEDs, etc., obviously is a cost, but there will be that benefit. But the benefit comes a lot further down the road, and uh, isn't that the, the 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 central problem with sustainability? I suppose is that we don't necessarily always see that kind of instant feedback loop to that instant improvement. Um, yeah, what do you think about that? <laughs> Yeah, no, completely agree. Again, something we were sort of saying yesterday that um, quite often decisions are made purely on finance, right? We need some new laptops. Mm. They're the cheapest ones, right? Let's go for them. Yeah. But actually, mm. you might have to replace them in two years rather than spending a little bit more money now. It, mm. It's going to last much longer. We see that so many times. And I think, again, the issue is school budgets run on an annual process, like yes. obviously a lot of businesses, organisations. So, you can only spend the money you've got and quite rightly we should be spending the money we've got on the pupils we've got um mm. but if if you kind of trying to make that decision like we i don't know like you want to put the best value in terms of paper recycled paper or it's it's a certain supplier if it costs more and you can't afford that which we know budgets with schools are getting phenomenally smaller and smaller every year yeah how how do you implement that sustainability bit so it's it's about making the right decisions, I guess, and not just purely relying on finance, but it's, it is a challenge. It absolutely is. Yes. Because the right decisions, you don't necessarily know that they are the right decisions at that time either as well, don't mm. you? So it's, it's a balance. It's a, it's, it's a balance. You need to kind of exercise a bit of frugality, don't you? But also need to kind of, uh, yeah, put, put, put definitely commit to, um, put money places, uh, which you know is going to not only support students but also get the, get that message across as well that you know you are being and thinking uh, more sustainably mm. um 
sort of in line with this then if you wouldn't mind for um lee for our um listeners um to just give us a quick overview of the the nga's uh, greener government governance pledge yeah yeah so it's quite a recent thing that came out um i think just after christmas so the the greener governance campaign is about ensuring that all schools have got a strategy to contribute to their environmental sustainability so um it's interesting i've got a, a trustee meeting next week and we're going to make sure that we've um, formally sort of appointed that we're signing up for the pledge um and i guess there's three sort of key things or key actions from a a governance board sort of making that pledge the first one is that they're going to reduce carbon in their school um the second one is around making sure that it does contribute um sustainability on the agenda like literally on the agenda of the meetings as well mm-hmm. as mm-hmm. the whole school um and then ensuring that an action plan is in place um that's developed this year and then obviously going forward measuring that impact um so i think for some schools that feels a little bit scary because it's it's another another thing to do um i think for other schools it becomes part of your school improvement plan if we're honest and kind of the impact we're already doing um so yeah so so the nga have sort of put this out to schools and they're encouraging all schools to sign up this year um their governing boards to sort of sign up and, and participate in this and i think i think for us it's very easy because within the trust where i am we've sort of one of the pillars that when we first established the trust was around the environment um and for us, it's quite an easy move because it already fits in with our strategy and our plan. Yes. Um, but I think for other schools, it might be a challenge. And it's about thinking, how do we achieve this when everything else is going on in the world? So, yeah, yeah. really, really exciting time, I think. Yeah. And I think, yeah, walking the walk is the is the thing, isn't it? It's all very well saying that you are you know, thinking more sustainably, but actually having concrete sort of tangible things in place, which you can demonstrate and you continually refer to and continue to go back to. And like you said earlier, you know, holding your your leadership team kind of accountable to make sure that these things are being done, I think is uh, is definitely a, a, a positive sort of framework or a way in which uh, the, we can uh be greener um, uh, and mm. and at different levels as well um i think it's it it has to be a kind of a uh, an agreement from all levels really so there's there's almost kind of like a a a need for and i don't want you to say the phrase to sell the idea of sustainability because i don't think that that needs to be sold anymore i think everybody should be now at that stage where look you know we can't continue as as we have been for you know mm. for now um so perhaps maybe what i'm what i'm trying to say is is the challenges governors have perhaps maybe of, of getting people on board at every level as well um any any particular ideas or strategies you think that you that you have used in your i mean as you said it's an easy fit perhaps in your your trust because it's already part of the fabric but if you're if we're talking to a governor board where it isn't as easy a fit are we are you do you have anything demonstrable that you can that you can share with the with those boards yeah yeah absolutely so i think one of the sort of key things that we've seen with governors is well how are you ensuring that your pupils have got that broad and balanced curriculum um, and how how are you ensuring that the children that leave your school whether it's primary or secondary have got the knowledge and the skills to be able to to survive in the world um and i think for us um and i'm sure laura can probably add to this but what we very much do is look at well how do we ensure that the opportunities we develop are sustainable and can be pound the pump sustainable in terms of going forward but actually build into the curriculum time so we develop a lot of our projects when we do sort of governor training we say well look this isn't an extra for your teaching staff in school this is part of the curriculum 
And it's maybe about just maybe tweaking things and looking at how we deliver that, because I think that's the biggest thing. There's so many things that schools have got to do, whether it's kind of safeguarding or finance and the big things, but actually sustainability mm. is, is here to stay now, I think we see. So yes. sort of quick wins of linking into curriculum, linking it into strategies and things we already do. So most schools do things like healthy living, anti-bullying, and actually all of that does then come back into the sustainability strategy because if children are not feeling safe in school, then they're not feeling healthy and then that impacts on everything else. So I think it's it's that golden thread or green thread even that runs through everything yes. within a school. Um, yeah, absolutely. Great, yeah. And just as you were kind of uh, talking there, it was kind of running through my head that, you know, in, in the international community, I guess, international schools, et cetera, it's even more of a challenge because, you know, uh, whether we like it or not, the majority of these schools are are, are businesses per se, and, and um, it's a lot more difficult to kind of get across those messages of sustainability sometimes when when, when the bottom line sometimes takes a little bit more of a uh, of a uh, an importance. Um, however, mm-hmm. in the international school community, uh, you, you do have um, you know the IB curriculum, for example, which is fairly um, uh, common across a number of countries, which does you know um, promote uh, sustainability within the, the the mandatory units that you have to to study in in creativity, activity, and service, and things like that. So, you know, like you said, that golden that, that green thread. I love that the, gre- mm-hmm. the green thread. You know, exists in international curriculum but also uh from you know from what laura was saying earlier as well it, it's from you know from year one all the way up as long as we are continuing to to try to get that message across um then you know the, it, it, it's not a financial thing necessarily it's just making sure that there's the that students have the the knowledge the understanding the language uh and the skills if you like to 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 be empowered to make some sort of changes and and, and differences and 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 develop those dispositions about um uh, about what it is to be a responsible global citizen mm-hmm. um it's absolutely fascinating um i we're sort of about halfway halfway through um and uh, i'd like to really kind of uh, i've not forgotten about you laura we've not forgotten about you <laughs> i'd like to direct the next okay. couple of questions to you if that's all right um so the the I'm sure you're aware of the, the the government's draft strategy for climate change and sustainability, um, which I which I think the draft was published in sort of November time, um, and I believe it's meant to be formalised perhaps maybe next month or the month after. So, um, I'm sure Laura, you perhaps maybe would sort of welcome this strategy because it perhaps maybe gives your role a bit more uh, of a framework perhaps maybe to operate in. Um, how how realistic do you think this so so the, the vision uh, attached to that um uh that strategy is that the uk will be the world leading education sector in sustainability and climate change by 2030 um in your experience in your thoughts how realistic do you think that is yeah um i mean yeah we, obviously we've read through the proposal and hopefully we will definitely welcome it when it comes out uh, in the next few weeks time mm. um because it does very much give us a focus in it just supports our work with schools in saying look it's now actually in policy this is something Mm. that you have to do rather Mm. than just sort of wanting them um to do it i think it is definitely realistic um you know sort of our work that we're doing shows what schools can do in terms of sustainability and we're there to support them through that um it's just about giving schools the right opportunities to be able to access it um but through, through that policy a lot of it is sort of child-centered so they've got the ideas of the 
uh, Climate Leaders Award, I think it's called. And th things like that would be fantastic because children, children want to be involved in this sort of conversation. They're really easy to sort of inspire uh, mm. regarding environmental education and climate change from any age group. Um, you know, mm. when you go into those younger years, even they sort of can appreciate some of the changes that are going on in the world um, mm. and want to make a difference. So it's all about just giving the children that opportunity. So I think from a, a teaching point of view, in terms of in the classroom, the ideas that are set out would be fantastic. Um, and so it's something that I, in my current role, will definitely welcome. But also previously as a teacher, it's the sort of thing that I would have loved to get involved with um, in terms of promoting that message. Yeah, and I think it's quite a, as as I suppose goals should be, it, it's quite ambitious, isn't it? And we say 2030 thinking it's kind of quite far in the future, but it's actually just sort of eight years away, right? So yeah, it's, it's quite quickly a, creeping up on us. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and that's the, you know, so when the uh, sustainable development goals also uh, are uh, uh, due for fruition, isn't it? Is that right? Is it 2030 mm -hmm. as well? The SDGs, yeah. yeah. Um, so there's a lot happening in uh, 2030. A lot of targets have been set. So uh, uh, but yeah, so, so it's only eight years away. So obviously the work that yourself and Lee um, are doing are helping kind of contribute towards creating that sort of, I guess, world leading um, aspect of it. Um, I, bet, I guess my question is, maybe not know the answer, but sort of where are we at right now then? So if our goal is to be world leading in, in, in this area, um, as, a, as, a, as a country, I guess, or as the UK itself, where how do we measure where we're at uh, lee do you want to take this one yeah <laughs> <laughs> quick, sorry quick sidestep to myself um, <laughs> yeah. it's an interesting one because when you look at places like scotland that have had sustainability um frameworks in place for schools for a number of years like all schools in scotland participate in eco schools for example mm -hmm. um in england i do feel like we're playing catch up um mm. The ambition is there and the right words are now being said in this policy. Yes. I think for me, it's about how how are schools supported with that? Because while absolutely the sort of the government says autonomy for schools and multi-academy trusts should, should develop their own schemes, in reality, what we're looking at here is a national policy that needs national support, whether that's hmm. um, frameworks to be able to access some of the things like solar panels on school roofs. If we have a framework that all schools can access then it becomes a much more achievable thing, if you like, for schools yes. to do at the moment. If you you ask a business manager, right, we want to put solar panels on our roof, he or she is already dealing with a thousand things that morning without even thinking, well, how do I go about doing that? Mm -hmm. um, so some of those sort of big picture things, which I know the DfE are doing at the moment and very much focusing in around supporting schools to do things like that. I think the other one is making sure we've got a really good professional development programme, which again is mentioned in the policy. So early careers teachers have got the skills to be able to do this because they've kind of come through education without necessarily maybe being given those sustainability skills. Mm. Um, and I think then actually giving, because um, I know often people just jump to, well, we just need more money. And I, I, I would never disagree yeah. with that. We always need more money in education. <laughs> but I think it's about giving teachers in particular the sort of the knowledge and almost like I used to be a sustainable schools coordinator in my last school. 
and it was a job description written and we shared that with local schools because others said well do you know that's really useful for us and actually having a similar thing like if you are a literacy coordinator in a school you know what your role is or numeracy or um, history or geography and actually having that clear role for what that person does in school um, and actually having someone in senior leadership who can support that role um, yes. I think that's the key thing like we talk about safeguarding it always used to be certain staff in school that were the safeguarding leads and over the last number of years that expectation is that all members of staff in school are safeguarding leads because it's, it's everybody's responsibility and I think sustainability should be a similar thing that it's everybody's role to do with it not just that one or two teachers in schools that are seen as the eco leads or the eco club runners um, so I think there is a big change to go um, and I think it does need to come from the top, certainly with support from things like Matt's and some of the other bigger groups that are, sort of exist. But yeah, I think, I think it's, it's achievable, but it's, it is very ambitious if I'm honest. Hey man, I, compl I completely kind of uh, sort of <laughs> nodding along there. You can't see me, but I was sort of nodding along with what you mm -hmm. were saying there. It, was, it, it makes absolute amount of sense. And, you know, having, you know, schools having the, the, the ability to be able to do stuff, having having frameworks in place uh, and clear direction. I think that's, you know, the, it has to be a, gov it's a government strategy. It has to come from, uh, there has to be a, a quite, quite um, explicitly uh, articulated direction as to what the expectation is. I think that's because, uh, because the danger sometimes I perhaps maybe with some policies is that they're open to interpretation, right? Um, mm. And that can lead to, you know, things being done which perhaps maybe aren't as efficient or as effective and I think if we're kind of taking your example both of you as example of your work really um having done it for over having done it for over 10 years etc you've got um experience right you've got experience in terms of things that have worked and actually probably you've also experienced a number of things that haven't worked as well um, and we want to avoid I guess schools kind of going in those sort of pitfalls of putting a lot of time energy in into a particular project which which actually might not have any um, uh, discernible um, impact at the end of that yeah um, absolutely and I think just to sort of add to that I think the the risk sometimes we take is we sort of showcase these amazing schools that have done sustainability for decades and hmm. everybody else looks at them and thinks well where on earth do we start with that and I think it's about showing what is realistic for schools, bearing in mind everything else that's going on. Yes, there's some schools that are beacons of sustainability. We could name half a dozen in Leicester, for example. But in reality, if you are new to this sort of area, you want to see, well, what is achievable in one year, two year, three years? Yes. Um, and what is what can be done? I think that's the other sometimes we, we absolutely we need good shining examples. But actually, you want to also see what is achievable in your time frame as well. Yes, totally agree. I think the um, it, it, it's unique to each individual school where they are in their sustainability journey, and rightly so. You know, um, I think most schools now are moving in 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 the right direction, but some will move faster than others. Some are some are in, enabled better because of the, the perhaps maybe like your example in in, in Leicester with governance, etc., with it being front sustainability being front and center. Um, but that also shouldn't be. Uh, a, a negative it shouldn't be a negative um for schools that aren't as far as other schools yes they should put into place smaller steps etc you know achieving one thing in a year is moving them further on from where they were last year right yeah. um fantastic um so uh, if i can ask as well then uh, just to kind of sort of 
tap into into the the strategy a little bit more there. Um, I think we've kind of answered this to a degree anyway. Uh, but you know, we've we've had the, the the pandemic, we've had online teaching, we've had the teacher assess grades, a number of sort of social emotional issues uh, caused as a result of of all of those things. Um, I guess, uh, Laura, how how much do you how much of a hard sell do you think that environmental sustainability could be at this at this moment in, in time? Obviously, we've got this very ambitious target that we need to work towards for 2030. But it, I think Lee referred to it earlier, actually. But it's just kind of it's just an extra thing, isn't it? It's another thing to 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 be worried about, actually, to be anxious about. But also, to, it's a, it's a, it's a lot of pressure, isn't it, to try to to bring about this change? Yeah, absolutely. I think it's it's important to always remember how much stuff schools are expected to do. You know, there's always new initiatives coming in. There's always uh, changes in the curriculum coming in, different things that schools are being told, oh, now you have to do this, now you have to do this. And teachers are already incredibly busy and senior leaders are already incredibly busy. So I think for them, introducing yet another thing that they need to try and consider and work into their school environment is really hard. because they just have so many priorities going on at the moment. So I think it will be difficult uh, for some schools to get them fully on board with this policy straight away. Mm. Um, Because as I said, everyone's just busy. And I think that's sometimes sort of forgotten when these new strategies come into place. Um, But hopefully through it, you can see sort of the benefits that the children in the schools will get. Um, I think it's just sort of reminding people about that to to get the schools on board with this policy, reminding them that actually it's about the children's future. So yeah. uh, there's a lot in the policy about greener greener jobs, yes. which realistically yeah. lots of the children that we are currently teaching will have because that's going to be a huge area in the coming years. You know, the job that I currently have wasn't um, a position four years ago sort of thing Mm. so all of these sort of sustainability jobs will be coming into place so um we have a responsibility to prepare the children for that um so if we can focus on that side of things hopefully we'll be able to get senior leaders uh on board quickly so we can get this policy in place um but yeah it it is going to be difficult and it's going to be really difficult for schools who have already contending with so much other stuff going on yeah, but I, I think you made a really fantastic point there in the way that it is the bottom line is it's about the future of the kids, isn't it? Um, uh, that's the most the, the be all and end all ultimately, and and I don't think that is a hard sell, right? Or it should, it certainly shouldn't be. Um, it, you know, we're often kind of said, you know, to prepare students for for the world in which they're going to be living in, and the fact is that they are going to be living in a world, if if everyone still wants to be living in the, in the world um, mm. where green skills and careers are, yeah, are, are pretty much, yeah, every, every, every job ha- will have some form of element or some form of control. We've seen it from, from the transnational corporations now, every, or each of them have their, you know, resp- environmental responsibility pages, you know, to, you know, varying degrees of, um, uh, <laughs> of uh, effectiveness perhaps, but, you know, green's here and it's here to stay. Yeah, completely agree with that. Um, I think I think it is a hard sell if you just tell schools that's what you've got to do. I think what we've seen, in, in particularly in Leicester, is when we support the schools through the process and say, well, look, here's an example of an action plan, right? You've got a challenge here. 
right, let's let's unpick that. Okay, I, I know who to speak to in the council that can support you with that travelling cycle initiative or I think that's the big thing for us. Yes, it is a hard sell, but actually it isn't with the right support in place. Um, and that's very much, I think, what we've been able to do in Leicester is mm. that we are that one-stop shop for, for schools to say, right, we want to do this or we've been told we need to do this, right? How do we achieve that? I mean, just silly things like planting trees in school grounds. The sort of the hurdles sometimes you think, well, where do I get equipment from and do I get permission to do that and who do I need to ask? And actually... It feels like a lot of hurdles, but once we've unpicked that for a school and said, well, we can do this and this is who you could speak to and things, mm. that that disappears. And I think that's the, the biggest issue with any sort of new initiative or new scheme. It's like, well, how do we do that? It's a bit yeah. like if you think back to um, British Values, for example, a few years back, and the challenge was, well, how do we deliver that in school? Whereas now schools understand how to deliver it and how to, to, to measure the impact of it. And I think this is similar that, it's it's about understanding how we unpick un, unpick some of those challenges. I think absolutely, yeah. and that's that I absolutely concur because it's the the teachers aren't the all seeing all knowing. That's the other thing is as well that, that with new initiatives we are not the experts in these areas. And I, and I think if we engage, um, as you said, people like yourselves and 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 there's that that support framework, that support network, I guess, of if you mm. need to do something. Um, who you're going to call, as it were. You know, it's not just going to be um, uh, Mr. Smith, who's who's got a free period, lesson five or something, to mm-hmm. plant a few trees. You know, you need to kind of make sure that you've 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 got the the capacity. Schools have got the ability to be able to engage with with community uh, organisations such as yourselves and, and councils, etc., to kind of um, spearhead to kind of get these things moving um oh, absolutely fascinating listen we're, we're we're sort of about 10 minutes away to, to the end i'm going to play a, a quick we're going to have a quick ad break um and then we've just got a couple more questions to finish up i wish we had longer because uh, this is absolutely fascinating we will be back in a couple of minutes This episode of Teachers Talk Radio has been made possible with support from Witherslack Group, the UK's leading provider of SEN education and care. They're here to support you too through an ever-growing offer of free resources, including webinars, podcasts, articles and events aimed at supporting teaching professionals like you. Visit their website at www.witherslackgroup.co.uk to find out more. Are you looking to take your phonics practice forward? Then Little Wondle Letters and Sounds Revised is the programme for you. Created by two schools with an excellent track record in phonics, Little Wondle Letters and Sounds Revised will help all children become readers and ensure no child is left behind. The programme offers complete support for your phonics teaching, alongside classroom resources and fully decodable readers from Collins Big Cat. To find out more, Follow at Letters Sounds on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram or join a free briefing by visiting littlewondelettersandsounds.org.uk Introducing Bulb. With evidence-based learning at the forefront of education, let Bulb digital portfolios help reshape your educational practice. Bulb helps teachers teach and learners learn. Bulb is an easy-to-use, fully accessible digital platform that captures students' digital learning assets in one place, allowing them to evidence their learning and reflect on their growth. 
our dedicated team of education specialists are on hand to ensure the bulb fits seamlessly into all of your teaching practices. Come take a look and get a free account at bulbapp.com. If you're listening to this, then we know we share one thing in common, a passion for the type of outstanding education that every child deserves. That's what makes us the leading provider of specialist education and care. We need people like you to help us achieve even more. With us, you'll be given all the resources and support you need, offered a clear path to career progression, and be rewarded with some of the best salaries and benefits the industry has to offer. We are Witherslack Group. If you'd like to find out more, we'd love to hear from you. Visit www.witherslackgroup.co.uk forward slash careers and be part of our future. Live from Qatar, this is The Morning Break with Dorian Brown on Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live at ttradio.org or to join in the conversation, download the Podbean app and search Teachers Talk Radio. Follow the hashtag TT Radio. Tune in, talk it out with Teachers Talk Radio. And welcome back. We are now in the last part of the show now. Uh, we have got uh, Laura and Lee who are joining us and we've been having an absolutely fascinating uh, discussion. Um, and I think we're all <laughs> we're, we're all um, aligned, I think, with our own kind of thoughts and ideas and, and, and passions in terms of the importance of bringing sustainability into, um, into schools and, and, uh, and empowering schools to be more sustainable. So um, I don't know, perhaps maybe in... in, in if, if we were to do this again, perhaps we could find someone uh, to disagree with us and maybe play sort of devil's advocate a little bit because it feels that we're all just kind of uh, sort of complimenting each other um, uh, on what we're coming up with. But um, listen, it, um, I'm sure there's lots of, um, uh, I say lots, I, I'm sure there is some pushback. There is some uh, some uh, people some with views that perhaps maybe, you know, look, sustainability has to just sit on the back burner for now. We've got other things more important, more pressing things. Um, so that there is a there is another side to our discussions, etc. But I do come back to, to to what Laura said in that last section that you know it's ultimately down to the the, the lives of the kids and and, and how we are um, preparing them for for post you know, post school essentially for their lives and their careers and 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 sustainability and green careers etc. It, it seems it, it seems impossible to not think of a, a future without those things being being imperative to, to, to the students. So I think the, the, the sooner that we can kind of get the, the, the language of sustainability, the, 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 as I said before, the kind of the dispositions towards being more responsible citizens, being more um, um, mindful about our choices, etc, the sooner those things can can be, talked about and embedded in 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 the in students if you like um the the better and i think we all kind of um we all agree with that um mm. i've got then a um i guess this is the quick fire round now uh laura and lee uh to to kind of finish off with because I, I would really like i know we've already heard a, a couple of fantastic examples of things that you have been involved with projects that you've done we heard about the low carbon lunches and the mill barrows for example um i'm basically hunting for some more puns uh <laughs> but uh, i wonder if there's if you could just reel off a few um uh 
other kind of things where you've had real, real tangible success with so that our listeners could perhaps maybe take those sort of projects and ideas um, away with them? Uh, and then also the, the second part of the quickfire round really is to think about uh, if there is a, a school, if there are some school leaders listening or even or even teachers, um, how what, what what's the next step? What's the first step, if you like, in terms of getting the ball rolling in terms of building environmental sustainability into into development plans? Uh, so let's go. Let's go with projects first. So f- fire away. OK, yeah, uh, yeah. The, uh, <laughs> go for it, Laura. You pick a few and then, yeah. See if we yeah. find some more catchy puns while we're going along. I know, I'm thinking we've given it the best to do so far. Um, but no, pro- project-wise, we've got loads that we sort of offer. Uh, one thing that we're doing at the minute is the Less Litter for Leicester campaign. Uh, this has come from the Litterless uh, campaign that was previously run by Keep Britain Tidy. Uh, so it's uh, basically just getting children out uh, in the community doing litter picks. Um, so they go out, they do their litter picks, and then they weigh their rubbish to show how much um they've been picking up so it's it's lovely to see the children in the community because they often get blamed for the litter um but if the community can then see them doing something about it that's excellent um another project that we sort of are involved with is we work with the carbon literacy project um and we offer a schools package for that where we're teaching uh children it's a full day's worth of learning so it's lots and lots that goes into it uh, but nice. teaching children about carbon footprints and then getting them to think about their own actions and how they can uh, maybe make a difference uh, in their lives. And that sort of, the idea be- behind that is then it has a bit of a trickle-down effect. So the children will mm. go home and they'll tell their parents what they've been learning and give their parents ideas of how they can reduce their carbon footprints as well. Um, yes. So I suppose that's just a couple. Lee, do you want to add to it? Yeah, I can chuck a couple in as well. So we have one <laughs> called The uh, the Sea Starts Here. Um, we spend lots of time on names by the sound of it in our team. Um, so this, I love it. Starts, yeah, so Leicester is probably as far from the coast as you can probably make it in England, probably not far anyway. Um, but the sea starts here is about raising awareness of if you put things down drains, whether it's bits of plastic or oil and things, it will go straight oh, into our rivers, nice. which ultimately yes. end up into the sea. Um, so that's a kind of really nice one because the kids make the link between things in Leicester and actually when you see the sort of the straw up the turtle's nose kind of those pictures that we've all seen Mm -hmm. linking it directly back Um, and I guess another one that we've done is called Botanica uh, which is all about getting children to plant wildflower seed Uh, really easy to be done in any school to be honest sort of three or four quids worth of wildflower seed and actually just watch things grow Um, so again sort of really sort of catch you on that's we we try and do things that are either no or low cost because let's be honest we haven't got money to spend um, so yeah, so botanics is a really nice one just to engage children and, and watching things grow. That's the thing that, that, that yeah. they really enjoy doing. And nurturing them. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Fantastic. Yeah, I love that sea starts uh, here idea. Fantastic as well, because uh, often some of the, the, the problems and the issues, uh, the, the major ones around the world are... Uh, happen somewhere else right mm. and so it's difficult for us to kind of picture perhaps maybe you know um polluted you know heavily polluted rivers because you know we don't tend to see that many you know um and yeah the the, the yeah i think the the idea the fast fashion uh the aspect of i think within the first eight washes or something of new of these new garments it releases a an untold amount of microplastics into the uh into the washing the gray water as well which like you said then goes all the way to the sea so getting those kind of messages across and kind of into into weaving you know um 
the the choices, uh, the actions that people take, and the consequences that they have, I think is uh, is a vital part of the education part of it, isn't it? Because it's kind of mm. connecting the dots for the students, really. Yeah, absolutely. Great. Well, there sounds to be an an enormous amount of things that you're involved in, and, and uh, yeah, and and a little bit of alliteration, a bit of puns, etc. <laughs> but I think ultimately the, the 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 bottom line is that it sounds that it sounds that they're uh, effective, and I think that word you used of fun and engagement in terms of getting the students kind of haptically uh, doing things and, 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 and nurturing things and seeing things grow and, and, and making those decisions and then taking those decisions home, which is fantastic, um, mm-hmm. and kind of educating their own parents about them uh, is, is, is phenomenal. It's a really, really, I think, a really effective way of being able to try to um, uh, mobilize change. Mm-hmm. Um, so that final question then, uh, if, if I may, uh, to either of you really. So if, if there's a... Uh, a a, a listener uh, who's who's inspired by your 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 clever puns and 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 your uh, your uh, convincing argument that the need for sustainability is yesterday. Um, what's their first step when they go into school uh, tomorrow uh, and they knock on their head teacher's door um, in terms of trying to get that ball rolling? Yeah, I think if I kick off, and I'm sure Laura will add. Um, so the one thing that we've not mentioned through this whole hour is Eco Schools, which is mm. uh, a national programme, in fact, international. Um, yeah. And we very much hook everything we do on the Eco Schools programme. So in England, it's Keep Britain Tidy. Um, yes. But it's, it's running about eight countries around the world. So international schools can participate wherever they are, pretty much. Yeah. And it's very student-centred. It's, it's free to join um, and to initially participate. And actually, we've We've seen that as a real benefit because it's very child-centred, very child-led. Um, so that first step is probably get on the eco-school site, see what it's about and start thinking about how you maybe could develop that. Um, so for me, it's about that easy first step of sort of registering on the programme and finding out what's out there. And then it almost opens the door to everything else we've been talking about today. Um, and and so would yeah. you recommend, would you recommend in that, I know we, you did mention briefly earlier, um, that governors or senior leaders can create a position um, or a responsibility for a particular person. I know that really ultimately we'd like everybody to be part of it, but if we're, if it's that kind of formative stages, do we need one person standing on the rooftops shouting? Yeah. What do you think, Laura? I think so. But what do you think? Yeah. I mean, we base a lot of our work with what we call our eco leads in school. So it is Hmm. in Leicester, lots of the schools already have, a teacher appointed to do these eco style initiatives so I think that's a really easy way um, for schools just because it gives somebody a focus and then you know later down the line it can start trickling out and um, more people can be involved um, but yeah definitely having somebody there at the forefront is is an easy way forward. Yeah, and I think also mobilising the students as well as leaders as yeah. well in that in that respect, isn't it? I'm sure many schools have these eco eco warriors or or eco leads or whatever or um, or whatever. I think that's a really good way of of, of engendering um, uh, sustainability a, a, across the whole school, having student leaders uh, involved as well, and, and actually getting student leaders to present things to the head and things like that. You know, to give them that kind of that uh, that right that that importance yeah yeah absolutely yeah yeah i think giving that that um showing so everyone can see what's happening in school i think that's key whether that's governors or the head or it's the community actually seeing that they are practically taking action i think it's a really big thing there yeah 
yeah and getting the children involved is it's a really easy way because as i said before you know children want to be involved in this climate change um sort mm. of conversation so it's yeah it's a good way yeah they need to be empowered right they, yeah. they I, I think i think there's a lot of climate anxiety around you know a lot of the the doom and gloom that comes out from the news you know we're amazon close to tipping point which was a couple of days ago in the news and and it can just have a real um uh, it, it can be quite damaging and because and students feel that they haven't got the power to do anything to change uh, when when they do um uh, but they just need to know how right and we need to be able to show show and model that for them yeah yeah absolutely. Oh, listen laura and lee um, thank you so much for your time uh, as i said we we're all we seem to be very much aligned on this and I'm, I'm actually delighted that you've given up time um for us today on teachers talk radio to kind of unpick uh, what is a, a a huge 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 issue um in the show notes of the um of the podcast we will uh, we'll pop, pop some links to some of the projects that you've mentioned etc on your website as well there uh, and hopefully we can uh, uh, yeah, hopefully we can stay in touch and, and, and maybe we can invite you back on the show in, in, in a few months and, and hear how you're getting on. Mm, yeah, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank yeah, you thank very you much. So much for having us. Brilliant. Thank you very much. Have a great weekend, everybody. See you next week. Thank you. You've been listening to Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live and listen back at ttradio.org. We look forward to hearing from you next time on Teachers Talk Radio.